This is Exposing Washington with Walker Wildman, bringing clarity to Washington, D.C. news. We see corruption at every level in Washington, and it's in both parties. Exposing the deception plaguing our nation's capital. Not only what he told every Republican senator, but what he told the press over and over and over again was a simple lie. And helping Christians stay informed about government. Now, of course, this puts a bigger burden on voters to go figure out what's actually going on. Be sure to visit AFR.net or wherever you get your podcast to hear past episodes. This is Exposing Washington with Walker Wildman on American Family Radio. Welcome to Exposing Washington on the American Family Radio Network. Glad to be with you this Saturday afternoon. AFR.net is our website. AFR.net is our website. Go there. Check it out. American Family Radio is the network. Walker Wildman is your na- is my name, and uh, this show is called Exposing Washington, aired each Saturday here on AFR exclusively at 2.30 p.m. Central each Saturday afternoon. A lot of things we're going to talk about. Uh, uh, the, the vast majority of the show is going to be consumed with this coronavirus situation, but we're not just going to talk about the virus. Because I'm not a doctor, but uh, we'll talk about the political implications, what's going on in Washington, D.C. We'll talk a little bit about the legislation that uh, that just passed in uh, in Washington, D.C. Um, this week. The third round of legislation, actually, multiple bills we've seen pass in response to this coronavirus. But we'll talk about that, some of the pork that the Democrats managed to put in there. And they actually managed to see some of it through the finish line. So a lot of things going on. You can always listen uh, to American Family Radio, of course, on our website, AFR.net. But you can also download the AFR app. Just go to your app store, whether you're on an Android device, Apple device, etc. Just go to your app store and type in AFR or you can type in American Family Radio. So a couple of different options there. And when you download the app, not only do you get to listen live, but you also get to listen to past shows so you can catch Exposing Washington there on the app. You can catch our podcast list there on the app. Well, to go ahead and get started, we're going to talk first about, you know, when our country can get back to work. And uh, I'm not minimizing the, the this virus, this Chinese virus situation, because if you've been keeping up with the news, I mean, the U.S. numbers are now surpassing every other country in the world, <laughs> except, I believe, China. I think, I think the Chinese government is lying through their teeth. Any, any person that believes that China only has 81,000 coronavirus cases, are you kidding me? Who, how naive are we to think that that's what the Chinese government is reporting? They've been sitting at 81,000 cases for two weeks. There's no way on this planet that the monstrous China with over a billion people in it only have 81,000 cases. Are you kidding me? So one of two things. China is lying about the numbers. I actually think this it can be both things. China is lying about the numbers. We know that. I'll talk about that in a little bit. It's been very, I'll talk about it right now. It's been verified. The Epoch Times, which is a, a news outlet here in the U.S., very good conservative news outlet, uh, relatively young news outlet, but they, they published a story 
that someone in China in the Wuhan province um, or, or somewhere around Wuhan, China, I think the province is it's kind of like a county here in the U.S. So Wuhan is a city and then you have like the starts with an H, but nonetheless, you get the point. The Wuhan area, let's just go with that. Wuhan, China is a big city and that area, there was a document released from a someone in the medical uh, office or the health office for the for the city of Wuhan or for the province, and it showed that the Chinese government was lying about their numbers. For example, one of the days there was a, a at least ninety one new confirmed cases according to the local government, but guess what they reported publicly? Four new cases, and that's happening every day. So internally, the Chinese government knows that the numbers are much higher. Just this one day, there was 91 new cases just in Wuhan. But publicly, they said, oh, we've only got four new cases. And then one of the days they said, we have zero new cases. So the, the province that my producer just takes me is Hubei, is maybe how you pronounce it, Hubei, H-U-B-E-I is the province. It's like the county or the area. And then you have Wuhan city right in the middle of it. Well, uh, so one day the Chinese government said, oh, we've only got, we, we have zero new cases. They're lying. There's no way you have zero new cases when you have millions and billions of people in the country. So, so with the numbers that we know, the U S has the most, um, the most uh, diagnosed coronavirus cases were somewhere between 90 and 100,000 as of Friday. That number will go up over the weekend. One of the reasons I would say the number is, is high compared to other countries is because of the, the volume of testing. You know, the media and others were complaining about the, the lack, lack of access, uh, last, the lack of testing access a couple of weeks ago, but now there's no one can complain. We have millions of tests out there. Nine out of 10 people who are tested in the U.S. test negative. One out of 10 test positive. That was from last week. So we've got testing upon testing upon testing. I mean, pretty much, I mean, we live in Mississippi. Our headquarters is in Mississippi, and I just know around here, we have a drive through test just 10 minutes down the road at a uh, clinic, at a health clinic. And I think the same could be said about the majority of America. Of course, you've got some rural areas of the country that that may have to drive an hour to get a test, but for the most part, most of the most of the larger cities in the country have some sort of drive-through testing, and that'll become more and more uh, easily available as the days go by. First thing I want to talk about now that we've just done a recap, uh, I want to talk about the when possibly our country could get back to work. But before I start talking more in, uh, about that, I want to play uh, clip one. This is President Trump and his opinion of of just, and he's really just voicing what a lot of American workers are talking about, about getting back to work. Clip one, let's listen. We have to get back to work. Our people want to work. They want to go back. They have to go back. And uh, we're going to be talking about dates. We're going to be talking uh, with a lot of great professionals. But... This is a country that was built on getting it done, and our people want to go back to work. I'm hearing, I'm hearing it loud and clear from everybody. So we'll see what, uh, what happens. We're going to have a lot more information 
early next week, and we'll be reporting that back. But I just want to leave it with you. We have to go back. This is the United States of America. They don't want to sit around and wait, and they'll be practicing. And by the way, a lot of people misinterpret when I say go back. They're going to be practicing as much as you can, social distancing and washing your hands and not shaking hands and all of the things that we talk about so much. But they have to go back to work. Our country has to go back. Our country is based on that. Well, there you have it. That's President Trump talking about he's really sharing the sentiments of a lot of American people, a lot of American workers who, you know, I would say the vast majority of Americans don't. Well, number one, they want to go back to work because they have bills to pay. But number two, they uh, they're not discounting this situation. I mean, I think I think we can walk and chew gum at the same time. That's the saying. We can do two things at the same time. We can slowly begin to phase back into work while still implementing very common sense protocols. For example, we can, of course, you wash your hands. That's a no-brainer. But maybe we cut out the handshakes. Of course, no hugs. Um, I'm talking about in in group settings in the workplace, et cetera, et cetera. Not not sure how many people give hugs at work, but you get the idea. Um, We could keep it under, you know, no gatherings of 10 or 50 people. So you get the idea. I mean, there are various common sense, practical things to put in place that don't completely stall the economy. That don't completely put our economy and work on hold. Because the damage that is being done economically right now, it's going to be very, very hard to recover from. And the longer this goes on, the harder it is for companies to recover. And here's why. We're about to hit an entirely new month. We're about to hit April. Well, guess what happens in April? All new bills are due. And so the pain that is about to hit in April is going to be worse than even we've seen in the past few weeks, economically speaking. And the more that this goes on, meaning the whole lockdown thing, the whole shelter in place, stay at your house, don't go to work thing, the more that goes on, the more companies are going to begin laying off people. I'm talking about these these companies who just have to, I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's tight. Let me just say that for some of these companies, a lot of these big companies especially. So all they do is look at the dollar bill sign. All they do is look at the money, and if they don't have the money, then they start laying people off. But, but my point is the longer this goes on, the more people get laid off and the more these companies downsize and shrink, then to have to restart all of this, and then it's going to take months and months and if not years to then rehire all those people. So the sooner we can start phasing our economy back into at least a, some sort of work, um, the, the less damage is going to be done economically. And I think, uh, I think it makes sense. And as President Trump has said, the... There are some parts of the country that aren't as affected. For example, we have New York State or New York City, 
mainly that's a hot spot. You have Washington State, California, and, and Louisiana, specifically New Orleans. They're struggling big time. They're seeing a lot of growth with a lot of spread of the virus. But other parts of the country, maybe some states probably only have maybe a couple hundred cases or under a thousand. And so, you know, with with some of those uh, states, maybe they can start phasing back into work and, and getting things back to normal a little bit at least. Uh, I want to talk, I want to transition to this, uh, this bill that Congress passed this past week, and President Trump is expected to sign it uh, probably over the weekend. But th- th- this bill, first, the bill, the legislation started off terrible. Democrats filled it up with a bunch of nonsense. They wanted mail-in, they wanted to implement a mail-in federal election system. Basically, in November, you would, you would mail in your ballot. Everyone, not just those who were doing absentee ballots, everyone. They wanted that nationwide mail. You know the voter fraud that would happen there? I mean, we've already got an issue with voter fraud, but you make it to where everybody gets to mail in a ballot, that would be a, a voter fraud nightmare, but uh, Democrats don't care about that. They wanted, uh, on the first round, on the first legislation, they wanted to uh, fund, just straight up give abortion mills, these people who kill babies like Planned Parenthood, they wanted to give them direct federal dollars in the legislation from a few weeks ago. And I could speak on for about probably five or ten more minutes on all the garbage that they wanted included in this legislation. Some of it, most of it was taken out. Some garbage made it through. But the fact that this took two weeks, this last legislation, the $2.2 trillion dollars, a lot of Americans are going to be getting checks in the mail or direct deposits into their bank account. And this is not a bailout. It is unfair to label this a bailout, and many conservatives are, and I'm a conservative. I think our government shouldn't spend money unless they have it in the bank, just like we do personally, or we should be doing personally. But the the issue here is not this is not a bailout number 1 because this was not self-inflicted a bailout is when a company mishandles finances doesn't know what they're doing they go bankrupt and then they ask the government for a bailout that is a bailout this is an aid package Because no one in this country raised their hand and said, I want the coronavirus. This was forced upon us because the Chinese government mishandled it back in November. They knew about this in November and December, but they didn't tell anyone. But this aid package, $2.2 trillion, there's still some, some, uh, what they call it, pork in there. But the fact that the Democrats leveraged this crisis to get their pet projects included in the legislation 
is absolutely reprehensible. And I don't know when the American people are going to stop voting for these these people that keep doing bad things in Washington, D.C., to put it nicely. Senator uh, Kennedy, John Kennedy out of Louisiana, he shares my frustration, or rather I share his frustration. Let's listen first to clip three. This is Senator John Kennedy on Tucker Carlson talking about various legislation. Some of my colleagues, they're acting like, I'm sorry, I'm not saying they mean to, but nonetheless, they're killing it. They're, they're just throwing in every, every special interest, um, uh, po- political want, not need, thinking that they can ram it through be- because we're too scared to vote against it. And it's just wrong, man. It's just wrong. Well, there you have it. And I'm not, I'm not as generous as Senator Kennedy. This is intentional. You know, he headed off that clip, which I agree with him about how reprehensible this is. But he headed off the clip by giving them the benefit of the doubt, saying, I don't know if they mean to or not. Are you kidding me? This is legislation that these Congress people, it's actually their their aides because these, these Congress people don't even know what's in the legislation. It's all their aides and their assistants doing the heavy lifting. But they're dropping this text. Somebody's writing this text into the legislation. So there's no way that this is an accident. It's not like this legislation just morphs by itself (laughs) and writes itself. No, these are people, these are congressmen who are dropping this language into the legislation. This is 100% intentional. And so instead of passing legislation dealing directly with the coronavirus, the Democrats seize the opportunity to put their own pet projects equaling hundreds of millions of dollars into this legislation, which is absolutely disgusting. And Senator Kennedy had one more thing to talk about. Uh, I want to play clip four, talking about the same situation, clip four. You know what the American people are thinking right now? They're thinking that the brain is an amazing organ. It starts working in a mother's womb, and it doesn't stop working until you get elected to Congress. There you have it. (laughs) Senator Kennedy saying basically that these, that, that, that Congress people get elected who get elected to Congress, their brain stops working when they get to Washington, D.C. And maybe that's one way of saying it. Or you can just say some of these people are pure evil because they know what they're doing. Their brain's working. It's just working in the wrong direction. And I don't care what side of the aisle you're on, whether you're conservative, liberal, Republican, Democrat, independent, whatever. Green Party. When you look at what's going on in our country with the layoffs, hospitals overrun in certain areas, over 3.3 million unemployment, unemployment claims this week. And the Democrats are in Washington trying to figure out what on earth they can cram into this legislation 
that has absolutely nothing to do with the situation at hand. But this is not new. This, this way of absolutely mishandling serious things is not new. I cover this all the time. Every time the, the, the Congress passes spending legislation, we talk about how they introduce the bill the night before, they vote on it in the next morning, and the legislation is 1,500 pages. There's no way they're reading this. But this is not a new problem. It's just being highlighted because they're, they're reiterating or they're redoing their old, broken way of doing things, and they're doing it over and over again, even in times of crisis. They can't even get themselves together just to do things right one time during a crisis. And there are some Congress people who are going to vote against this bill just because they haven't had time to read it. And I really can't blame them. I really cannot blame them for not voting for something which they have not read. Transitioning, I want to talk about something that's a little optimistic, actually. There's been this talk about a a anti-malaria drug or a drug used to treat malaria for years now, 30, 40 years at least. It's been used in all kinds of countries to treat malaria. And before I talk about this, folks, this drug, one of them is hydrochloroquine, or some people just call it chloroquine. Either way, hydrochloroquine is one of the drugs. There's one other one, but I can't think of the name. It starts with an A, but there's basically these two drugs that some of these doctors are using to treat people with the coronavirus, and it's actually working. It's actually working. And just to be clear, the media has been painting this drug as some kind of black market drug, like it's illegal, it's skeptical, we don't really know about it, but here we are using it, it's risky. That's not the case at all. Yes, it is true that this drug has not historically been used to treat the coronavirus, but this strain of the coronavirus is only four months old. So how how would we have had case studies on this? There's no way to have had clinical trials on this. But the drug has been used by doctors all across the world for decades to treat other illnesses. So this is not some black market sold in a back alley drug that the FDA hasn't approved. Yes, the FDA has not approved it to treat for for a coronavirus, but it has approved it for other uh, purposes. Nonetheless, let's let's move into this. I want to play clip five. This is an actual patient who was treated by some of these drugs and who explains uh, how how quickly it helped him recover. Clip five. To me, there was no doubt in my mind that I wouldn't make it till morning. So to me, the drug saved my life. I was at the point where I was barely able to speak and breathing was very challenging. I, I really thought my end was there. I'd been through nine days of solid pain, um, and it just, it, for me, it was the end was there. So I've made some calls to, uh, let my, you know, say my, in my own way, goodbye to my friends and family. They gave me all the reasons why I would probably not want to try it because there's no trials, there's no testing. 
Um, it wasn't something that was approved. And I said, look, I don't know if I'm going to make it till the morning. Because at that point, I just really thought I was coming to the end because I couldn't breathe anymore. And uh, he agreed and authorized the use of it. And 30 minutes later, the nurse said, uh, gave it to me. They gave me some Benadryl through the system and something else. I'm not sure what it was. And it allowed me to go to sleep. And when I woke up about, four, well, exactly 4.45 in the morning, I woke up like nothing ever happened other than having a headache in the background. Well, there you have it. That's a patient who was given uh, this hydrochloroquine and, and one other drug to treat the coronavirus. And he explains how just over several hours, it helped him to get his breathing back and other things. And this is not a one-off example. There's a doctor in New York has, who has treated nearly 400 patients and has had, with this drug and has had 400 patients with the coronavirus and has had, has had zero deaths and zero hospitalizations. I want to play clip two. Let's listen to how the media is framing this with President Trump, clip two. Is it possible that your impulse to put a positive spin on things may be giving Americans a false sense of hope? No, I don't think so. I don't preparedness think so. right now. No, I don't think so. I think that, uh, I think it's got, you know, the not yet approved drug. I mean, such a lovely question. Uh, look, it may work and it may not work. And I agree with the doctor what he said. May work, may not work. I feel good about it. What do you say the Americans were scared, though? I guess nearly 200 dead, 14,000 who are sick, millions, as you witnessed, who are scared right now. What do you say to Americans who are watching you right now who are scared? Uh, I say that you're a terrible reporter. That's what I say. I think it's a very nasty question, and I think it's a very bad signal that you're putting out to the American people. That's really... There you have it. That's that's a... a reporter by the name of uh, last name Alexander talking to President Trump, basically trying to stir up fear and doubt amongst the American people. And there's already enough of that. What do you say to people who are scared out there? Are you giving false hope by touting this drug? No, he's not giving false hope. This drug, and, and look, This whole idea that we need to do clinical trials and a 12-month study of a drug before we can start using it on people is ridiculous. I'm not saying we force this, but if a patient says, give me the drug, I'm about to die, we give them the drug, clinical trials or not. And so this whole idea with Dr. Fauci and the rest saying, well, we just we need to study it before we can we can give it. We need to do an FDA approval trial, blah, blah, blah. That is so such a black and white, simplistic view of things when we're dealing with a very complex situation. We've got people who are on ventilators who are about to die. If they're if they're about to die, give them the drugs if they want the drugs. And the only outcome is it helps them. And so the media needs to quit pushing this narrative that Trump is giving false hope about this new drug. It's not a new drug. It's new for coronavirus. And we need to start talking about how this drug is actually working. There's dozens, if not hundreds of doctors across the country that are touting this drug. American Family Radio, AFR.net. Stay tuned, and we'll be back next week with Exposing Washington.
The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.